come stop and take a trip down on my block Where you see hidden potential, young minds sharper than Ginsu And ain't afraid to speak their mind if they got something against you We standing with you, we tackle issues like civic pride Hate will cease to exist, let's put our differences aside From my side to your side, from Dutchtown to Southside From Penrose to Northside, from Benton Park to Old North to West End to West Side We bless when we step out, we stand down, rise up, stand together, wise up this is Stitchcast Studio, produced by St. Louis Story Stitchers in St. Louis, Missouri. Our Stitchcast sits down with John A. Wright Sr. to discuss the lost and disappearing histories in black culture. In this special Divided City edition of Stitchcast Studio. They say who that, but you already knew that. That beat them story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Stitchcast Studio. Uh, today, we're going to have an amazing conversation about lost and disappearing histories in black culture. Today, we got some youth and we have a special guest, John Wright. Thank you for coming. Uh, how you doing today? I'm doing fine. Great, great. great. I'm hanging in there. One day at a time. <laughs> Absolutely. As a song goes, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, you know? That's all I ask. <laughs> and I'm Emira, your host for today's podcast. Let's just dive right into it. Anybody want to ask the first question or y'all want me to uh, pop it off? I do want to ask questions because uh, we kind of already started having a real good conversation on black history. And you mentioned uh, that you were a Malcolm X uh, man back in the 60s. You you was more so uh, with Malcolm. So I'm curious, as somebody that, that, that experienced Malcolm, how did you feel about uh, Denzel Washington's portrayal of Malcolm in the movie? I thought it was very good. Yeah. He... Uh, took a turn when he went to Mecca. His feeling of whites changed because when you go to Mecca, you have people of all races there. And so it's a matter of brotherhood. And so uh, you, you bring about a change in philosophy and the way of thinking. And so he had an evolution. But I think you begin to realize that had it not been for Malcolm, Martin would not have been able to do the things that he did. Mm. Yeah, and so right. you need both. Mm. Right, right, right. You need both of them. You have to have both. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have both, you, you, you don't get anywhere. People respect power. Right. And they respect money. So. When money, you close down shops. I'm not for burning village down. You, yeah. know, you, you don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. But you've got to figure out a way to uh, bring economic justice mm-hmm. to a situation so when you said like you're not down for like all the burning and stuff like that so many people have that type of mindset so how can you change or like try to you know stir people in the right direction like hey let's get to do something else to do the economics is what's up with the burn you gotta get more alternatives okay mm-hmm. uh say look what happens when you burn this down yeah we've got 500 people employed in that place you're burning down. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen with them? Mm-hmm. When I grew up, one of the questions you asked me was, what kind of businesses did we have in the Ville neighborhood when I grew up? The Ville was self-contained, about a square mile. We had, we had the pool hall, we had the beauty shop, bakery shop, restaurants, floral shop, Photography studios, mm-hmm. coal, because we had coal, 
stoves, you had the coal yard, you had the ice, man, you had the mm. people would come in the community selling vegetables. Mm. So you can go out your door and get some vegetables. A watermelon, you know. Mm -hmm. Watermelon man would come through the neighborhood. Watermelon, red, right, watermelon. <laughs> Get your watermelon. And so they plug it, you know, make sure it's sweet. We could cut this thing. See, it's sweet here. Right. You can get the taste it, taste it. And then you decide you want to buy it. Sounds good, man. You get the ice man who come, because you didn't have a refrigerator. You had the ice man. So the guy, you put a sign in your window, 25, 50, 75, depending on what size your ice. And so we had lots of entrepreneurs. You know, you, yeah. you want to be an entrepreneur, you can get your little wagon. And we had people selling sandwiches with that, from the little wagon going through the neighborhood. Uh, we had. People sharpen their knives, guys. Sharpen your knife. Out there yelling and screaming, sharpen your knife. The truck would come by, a little wagon. He'd push it up and down the street. So we had all those things going. But the biggest thing was money stayed in the neighborhood several times before it left. Mm, I keep hearing it. And so as a result of that, yeah, people are able to buy cars, able to buy... But we were stuck where we could move. And I tell people, you know, we got what we wanted, I just thought we lost something in the meantime. In the neighborhood where poor and wealthy all had to live together. Mm -hmm. So you had a mixture. Going to school together, because mm -hmm. no matter how much money you had, you stuck with us. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, so we had teachers who couldn't get married at that time. You couldn't get married. Why not? As a teacher? You couldn't get married as a teacher. No, teachers who couldn't get married. So the students were their family. Why, why couldn't teachers get married? Might take away from the You're teacher. supposed to be pregnant teacher. You oh, know, word. you're supposed to be pregnant teacher. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 Dang. no. Pregnant folks don't get teach. Mm. And so that was one of the things, you know, and no matter how much smart you were, there weren't too many jobs open for you. And I feel like I came along with a blessing because for me, we had some of the brightest people teaching because they didn't have any place else to go. And so you had people who were highly educated in the schools with the students. You had women who couldn't find another place. Nursing. The Veal had was a cultural center. Like I said, it's a square mile. In that square mile, you could get your education without getting on the bus. You go to grade school, high school. If you, if your time doing the animal loan, you go to beauty school, Lincoln Law School, training school, Stowe. So you had a number of options. Versus now, without getting on the bus. Right. So um, the question too. In those days, how much did it cost to go to college? When I went, you want to know what it would cost yeah. when I went? Twenty dollars a semester. Mm. What? Wow. Take your time for that one. It's Twenty dollars is lunch now. <laughs> the books will kill you, not the tuition. For real. Sure. Mm. Wow. No matter how many hours you took, it was operated by the St. Louis Public Schools. Mm. Mm. But the public school was stone, and then when closed, they put Harris. Mm. They made us, they cut Stowe out 
And we moved out on Enright, across from Bashan. That was Harris Teachers College then. Mm. So, so is that where Harris Stowe comes from? Harris was a white teacher's training institution. Okay. That was South St. Louis. Uh-huh. Stowe was a black teacher's. Got you. When they merged, they dropped Stowe's name off and we all went to Harris. Mm. Now Stowe came back on Harris Stowe. When you were a landmark black college, there's money. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. We put the yeah, name on there. It's all about the Benjamins. It's all about the Benjamin, yeah. <laughs> mm, you know, it became profitable. Mm-hmm. You put the stove back on. Would you say that um, the time that you're talking about the Ville, what what was that, the 60s? No, I grew up in the 40s and 50s. Okay. Would you say that that time was the peak of the Ville? I think when they put Homer G. Phillips Hospital there. When was that? That was in the 30s. Mm. Mm. Think about it now. You got a square mile. You've got people coming from all over the country to do training at Homer G. Phillips. Then you have Poro College. Then you have Lincoln Law School. People living in the community, going to school in the community. Uh, Stowe. You can't go anyplace else because there's restriction on where you can live. Mm. So you go to school and you live in the community. You shop in the community. So as a result of that, it becomes a nice place to live if you're poor. Mm. You go to the same church, the janitor may be over the, the usher board, along with the doctor, but they go to the same church. It's when, after 49, Shelley versus Kramer decision, and they moved to different neighborhoods. And that begins to break down that community. Mm. And the thing about it, we moved to the county. We moved into white neighborhoods. Our business were not supported by whites. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we no longer had our own businesses, where we moved to, money stopped circulating. Uh, where we all went to the bake, black bakery store shop that bakery store and the people they hired was enough to make a living for those folks. We had a number of funerals because blacks, whites didn't want to deal with black bodies. Now they do. So we had the funeral parlors made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. When I grew up, DeVille had the uh, part of the Chitlin circuit. You know what Chitlin circuit is? Uh, I'm thinking, I know, I know what that is. I like Chitlin. No. <laughs> well, the Chitlin Circuit is your night spot where B.B. King and entertainers would go from city to city for one or two nights because they couldn't make money in, that, in the white venues. So they go from town to town and they spend one or two nights in each town. And so we had the Chitlin Circuit here. Um, Whittier and um, Martin Luther King, Martin Whittier and Easton, the uh, Harlem Tap Room. I was just going to say, kind of like Harlem Renaissance, yeah. just housed in one area. We just had one building. One building, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, it was part of, then now Ken Lock, they had another place there, part of the Chitlin Circuit. It's a matter of working, they could play two nights here and then move it to another town. Three nights, four nights, 
you move there, you play, you do your business and make some money, then you go on someplace else. They call that the Chitlin Circle. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. learned now. Okay. I just learned now. <laughs> but that's what it's... I don't like Chitlin. <laughs> no, I can't. No, you didn't eat Chitlin. It was just the name of the... Why did they call they it? Do you know chitlins. why they called it that? The Chitlin Circle? Yeah. Because black folks, you know, I guess that was the name of it. I don't know why. Yeah. I came up. They something else. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. That's crazy. I always thought it was called the Chitlin Circuit because, like, it's not like ideal, but it's like a you make the best out of what you got, like you what they had to do with chips. Yeah, in the back back then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it was. If you want to see BB King, you could see BB Albert King. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those came through, you know, one or two night stand. That was part of it. It's that time again. Time for another Stitchcast Studio Arts Interlude. That's right, it's time to pick the city up. This week, we have a Story Stitch's original song entitled, Talking About the Ville. Deep in the system of the Milky Way, down on a planet called Earth, there is a place in North St. Louis I've lived since my birth. Italians and Catholics live in South St. Louis in a place called the Hill. I grew up north of Del Mar in the area called the Ville. It was an adventure and a thrill. People from all walks of life going through joy, going through strife, the best of the best, having to achieve test after test. Where'd I go to high school, you might ask? Well, here, dear people, is a blast from the past. One, two, one, two. Everywhere we go, everywhere we go, people want to know, people want to know who we are, who we are, the so we tell them, so we tell them. We are the bulldog, we are the bulldog, the mighty, mighty bulldog, the mighty, mighty bulldog. What you gonna do, the Boston Boogaloo? What you gonna say, quit it all the way, hey, 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 Ungawa, Sumner's got the power. The legend singer's conductor, Kenneth Brown Billups, mentor mezzo-soprano Grace Bunbury, who performed for U.S. presidents. When we had problems when we took up residence, attorney Margaret Bush Wilson fought restrictive covenants. She went to the U.S. Supreme Court, challenging redliners in the battle of Shelley versus Kramer. She was a powerhouse, and the system simply couldn't tame her. After the rise of Chuck Berry, Tina Turner blew up with a song called Proud Mary. Left a good job down in the city, working for the man every night and day. And I never lost one minute of sleep when I was worrying about the way that thing might have been. You know, big wheel keep on turning. Proud Mary keeps on burning, you know it, you're rolling, 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 rolling on the river. Master teacher Julia Davis came to fame, and the St. Louis Public Library put a building in her name. Google the group The Fifth Dimension, featuring Ron Townsend and Billy Davis Jr., and take your pick. With songs like Age of Aquarius, Up, Up and Away, and Stone Soul Picnic, Charles H. Turner, a brilliant scientist of great renown, had a middle school named after him in this North St. Louis town. Gifted baritone Robert McFerrin Sr., first black person to sing in New York's Metropolitan Opera. I saw him walking down the street and I took my stand. 
I say, how you doing, Mr. McFerrin? He said, I'm fine, young man. Tennis player Arthur Ayers left Richmond, Virginia to learn with Richard Hudlin. Won Wimbledon in three grand slams and few could achieve above him. Chuck Berry, the true originator of rock and roll, was doing hip-hop in 1955. And that ain't no jive. As I was, as I was meeting down the hill, I saw Maybelline in a coupe de ville. A Cadillac rolling on the open road. Nothing could outrun my V8 Ford. A Cadillac doing about 95. She bumping the bumper rolling side by side. Maybelline, why can't you be true? Oh, Maybelline, why can't you be true? You done going back doing the things you used to do. Annie Malone and Madam C.J. Walker perfected black women's hair care and became black female millionaires. Attorney Homer G. Phillips lobbied for the first black hospital in the Ville, and politics are being played in his name even still. Activist comedian Dick Gregory in 1961 showed other black comedians exactly how it was done. And what am I talking about? Talking about the veal. Boom, boom, boom. I'm talking about the veal. Boom, boom, boom. I'm talking about the veal. When did you leave the veal? We left the veal in 1949 to move out on Laverty in the 4700 block. That was a year after the Shelley Sid decision that allowed us to move. Uh, it was a segregated area. Stores were segregated. The movie theater was segregated. We had a theater on Maffitt and Marcus. Mm. It's called the Queen Theater. It's a church now. If you drive by there, you'll see on the side of the church, there's a white square in the summertime, they used to open the doors and you'd go outside to the air and see the movie on that white square. Mm. Queen Theater. Wow. Do you still uh, drive through the Ville? Like, do you ever All the go time. back through there? All the time. What's, uh, what, what, do you, what do you think about when you're driving through there? Sad story about the whole thing. Mm. How much has gone down, how changed. Every elementary school, I went to four elementary schools. All four of them were closed. Mm. Went to Marshall for kindergarten. Then I went to Simmons for first grade. We were so overcrowded. Cobrina opened up for us after being closed a whole year because they didn't want black folks but west of Taylor. Mm. Mm. So I went for Cobrian from second grade to fifth grade. Then so many of us moved in, couples opened up for us. So I went six, seven, and eight in couples and graduated. Had I not graduated, I'd end up going to Benton that fall. All those schools are closed now. Benton's torn down altogether. I know a lot of people uh, say that it was the hospital leaving, but what do you think was the beginning of the end for, uh, for the bill? What do you think was the beginning of the uh, decline? The shelter decision, the housing, and then the hospital, you know, hospital too. Did y'all know it was going to be that when the, when, the, when the decision happened? No, you, you can anticipate it. Mm -hmm. You know, I lived in 4414 Math, apartment number 28. 
You have family, it's a two-room cold water flat. You take a bath in a tin tub, you hang it on the wall. You have people raising four and five kids in those two rooms. And as a result of that, when it came time you can get something different, you moved. Right. And so it was a major shift. You had a lot of people worked at, my mother worked at the hospital. She worked a split shift in the dietary department. What is a split shift? You hire somebody for eight hours. In the kitchen, you only need, you don't need them for eight hours in the kitchen. They need, you could use them four hours in the morning. They come back go home and come back in the afternoon. Mm. So it was nice. You lived in the hill. You walked a few blocks home. You came back. I used to come back with her. She sent me back when she had to do the late shift. I'd come back, sit in the uh, emergency room. Because mm. I couldn't go upstairs. I sat in the emergency room. On weekend, man, then all the heads got busted and everything <laughs> else. And all the fighting and stabs and all that come by you while you're sitting on the bench. Mm -hmm. What do you think would be the first step to build a thriving community like the Ville? Black community. I think you have to teach your history. Okay. Yeah. Without that knowledge, it's kind of hard to do things. If you had to put one business in uh, back in the Ville to kind of jumpstart the uh, the revival of the bill. What, what do you think that business would be and why? Uh, one business, oh boy, you know, we need so much. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have a grocery store. Can we give them three? All right, cool, three, three, top three. <laughs> three, three <laughs> businesses three. to jump You're making a real choice, you know. <laughs> uh, but we don't have any grocery stores. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't. But that's something we need. And I would say that's the key thing. We do so much now by mail. Mm -hmm. You buy clothes by mail. You do so many things by mail now. But the grocery store and the drugstore, uh -huh. we have our beauty shops, barber shops. Barber shops are suffering now. Beauty shops are suffering now. We used to have lots of those. Mm -hmm. The uh, women getting wigs and braids and fellows getting braids and my barber said, you know, with the ball between the ball heads and the braids. <laughs> He's selling insurance now on the side. Mm. <laughs> hey. I'll knock him. Hair insurance. Huh? <laughs> She's a hair insurance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you got you can change things by making people uh, knowledge about what they can do with their skills and make sure they do it well. Uh, we got so many skilled black tradesmen that can't get jobs. We got to have our black um, organizations. We have enough dinners and affairs. If we, each of our organizations, had black caterers, you know how much money the black caterers could make and take care of families and hire people? But we don't. We go to white restaurants. Hmm. We don't use black caterers. So. What you? What do you think removed that trust in other blacks? You know what I'm saying? That that. What do you think made us want to work with black people less? I think we've been brainwashed. Mm -hmm. I agree. I had a custodian said, "That's right. You know, I get my ice over in Ferguson. Ferguson ice just seems like it's colder. You know." <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> 
watery. Right. <laughs> Don't I ice what you said. I get it's, it's cold. You know something about that ice over there? It's colder. Mm-mm. It's so uh, it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. It's a mindset. I had a friend who said, "I want my son to go up to be a doctor." Now, if you want your son to go up to be a doctor, but you say nobody gonna trust him, why would he want to be a doctor? Mm-hmm. So we've got to change the mindset of people to believe in training and believe in those who do well. Those who don't do well, I mean, they should be put out of business. Mm-hmm. Those who do well, we got to encourage them and support them. Keep yeah. going. So. When you started, you know, growing up and everything, and as the years go on into where you are now, seeing from what life was then and what it is now, do you feel like we're going backwards? You know, it's we've come a long ways. Okay. When I grew up, everything was segregated from the birthing room to the cemetery. Mm. Wow. You know, we had a special section in the cemetery. You couldn't eat downtown. I, one time I started eating downtown when I had kids. And they said, damn, why can't we eat here? Because as far as I was concerned, I grew up, I ate before I went downtown, I ate when I came back from downtown. Mm. I didn't worry about eating downtown. I was trained not to worry about eating downtown. Mm. So we, it's a different world. Mm. When I became superintendent of Kenlock School District, I was the only black superintendent in the whole state of Missouri and one of 15 in the United States. Now, you have Superintendent Jennings, Ferguson Florison, Riverview, St. Charles, Wentzville. You have blacks, you have black over Clayton School District. So places we wouldn't think. I remember when I was, got my master's at St. Louis U. Uh, Ledoux posted an uh, opening for principal and the department said my name and they said we don't want any blacks they said well you can't post here so you had people not wanting blacks in places where we are now mm-hmm. so the fact that we can go places we couldn't dream of going before where people in positions we wouldn't dream of them being poor. Mm. One of our classmates, Diane White, became the first weather girl in the United States. Uh, so the world is opening up, and the more it opens up, the more we see. Uh, it's a bright, big world out there. Mm. There are a lot of opportunities, a matter of being prepared to take advantage of those opportunities. Do you think that we're kind of stagnant as a community, maybe because of the fear of success and what will come from that? I think we got people just don't believe they can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I, I taught special education, the feeling was once special, always special. Many of my kids were misdiagnosed. Mm. Most of them took the test for high school and passed it. We had a teacher who could not record, keep control of our kids my kids kept the room while she learned how to teach. But it's because they weren't told they couldn't do. My mother was kind of upset with me. I had the kids learning scientific terms and stuff. 
the Riffosaurus and all this stuff. Yeah, and these kids learn all these hard work. They weren't told they couldn't learn it. You know, on weekends, I had a request to teach uh, at Saturday School in Creve Corps at the JC's Jewish Community Center. Those kids were learning cursive writing in second grade. St. Louis, you couldn't think about doing cursive until you got in the uh, third grade, fourth grade. They weren't told they couldn't, but they did. I had a kit I got from school I ordered how to tell time. My son, on one weekend, he was four years old. I taught him how to tell time on one weekend. Using that program. Mm. He didn't know he wasn't supposed to learn how. Mm. Mm-hmm. But he learned how. Wow. But basically, if you give a kid or anybody a cap or you give them a ceiling, how can you expect them to not That's right. stop there? Yeah. But if you tell them that you can do whatever you want to do. That's right, and they will. It's a matter of believing in yourself. Believing that you can do that's the biggest thing you have to do. Believe you're gonna live. Believe you can make a difference. Believe there's a better world out there. And believing that every white person is out after you. I mean, you know. You know, you gotta watch out for Chuck, man. Right. Who? Chuck, Chuck, man. Who you talking about? The white man, you know, you gotta watch out for him, man. You know, he gonna keep, you, you just have to ignore that. I had a uh, teacher once, he said, we're all classified as human beings. If you study science, you have a classification that you have a capacity, everyone in that classification has a capacity, the same capacity to do certain things. Now what keeps some, it may be the environment, it may be health issues, those are things that keep you from reaching that capacity. Now, there may be medication you can take to eliminate that limitation, there may be training, like if you never go to near the water, it's hard to say you're gonna swim as well as somebody but, but you can, you have the capacity to do it, but you haven't had the training to do it. But the capacity is always there. And so the thing is, knowing that you have the capacity makes you able to do things you thought you couldn't do. Mm. And you have to teach teachers that this kid has the same capacity as you, Mr. Jones. He may be dumb as you think, but he has the same capacity as you. He just has the training to do it mm-hmm. and be exposed to do it. And once you do that, it, it opens all kind of doors for you. Believing, believing you can do it. I have faith. You have to have faith, yes. Faith you can do it. Similar to a question that she asked earlier, do you feel like black people are still moving forward in today's time not 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 like the world as a whole or you know mankind as a whole but uh black people specifically do you think that we're continuing to progress oh yeah i I think yeah um i think you have to look where we were you always have to have a place where were we where are we now like i said when i became superintendent of schools i was the only one in the state now look how many superintendents you have in the state. Look how many you have in the country. So we're moving forward. Now, <clears throat> we have some people staying still. And we have to pick those folks up and help them mm-hmm. to see their potential. I have uh, my grandkids, I'm helping them to go abroad. Mm-hmm. I have a granddaughter who was spent, last summer she was in 
Europe. I'm paying for her to go with the Smithsonian program to Costa Rica this summer. Mm. I want them to see the world differently. And if you see what other people can do, you can do. But you've got to have a mindset. I got my first chance of traveling abroad when I was 16 years old. Mm. I was with the Salvation Army. They had a first international youth conference. They had a bulletin on the uh, church wall. I went to South Africa because that was the only place black and white kids could go when I was young. It was on St. Louis Avenue between Cora and Marcus. There's a little brick building on the south side of the street. It's a church now. But that's where the Salvation Army used to be before it moved on. Couples in Euclid. I was in the Boy Scouts there and the band there. And it was a go to Europe, to the International Youth Conference. So the pastor said, would you like to go? I said, yeah. So I asked my folks, she said, yeah, yeah. My mother said, yeah, okay, 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 you can go. So I went for the summer, went there for the conference. Then after that, we had a chance to go to Europe. We went to Switzerland, Germany, Paris, and Holland. Out of 200 and some, I was the only black brother there. Mm. Yeah, had to be tough on you? No, 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 no. He had a couple of crazies. But, <laughs> 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 but mostly everybody was all right. When you go out and you can go to any restaurant, mm. any place you went over there, mm. you can go. Yeah. Then you come back home. Well, you gotta go. You can't go in that part of town. Mm. Mm. Can't do that. I understood for the first time how soldiers were. They go off to war, and they in another country can do whatever they want to do. Mm. And they come back home. You can't do this. You can't do that. You get killed. They give you some money, but you can't buy a home with the money they give you. Mm. Uh, in the neighborhood you want. And you can understand why you have the explosion of feeling. And I think if we let students travel abroad, they will see the world quite differently than those who don't. They will see how people get along, religions, and everything else. Wow. This sounds so beautiful. That's I just dream bigger. For sure. Yes. All right. All right. So uh, my question was, uh, and this is what I was kind of getting at with the uh, question about the veil. I was, I was just curious if, if you, if you had, uh, 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 if you had a square mile of land and, and, and twenty million dollars to invest into it, you know, to, to kind of, to kind of try to recreate a thriving black neighborhood. What, what would you, how, how would you, how would you spend it? What would you put there? What I do, make sure I have some. The port system. Mm-hmm. They have a grocery store. They have to have uh, some doctors. If you have med- you have to have services to make people want to move into. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to have services, and then you have to have a system. Well, you got to take care of your house. Mm-hmm. Brother Judah can't, can't put that coal truck in the front. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you can't mess up the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You've got to have it so that. There are some rules for everybody. We've lost, by integration through integration, we've lost black customs and culture. Mm-hmm. When I grew up, you wouldn't dare curse an older person out. That's the one. You wouldn't. We had a grandmother standing, they called Big Mama when I was growing up. 
Big Mama would say what was going on. Tell son and daughter. Big Mama said we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just yes, Miss Jones. Mm. I said, you couldn't do that years ago. <laughs> you couldn't. It's Mister So and So, Miss So and So. Right. So it was more of what like, respect. Respect. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. We'd love to keep going, but unfortunately, we can't talk forever. So I want to thank uh, everybody that's under the sound of my voice. I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Stitchcast Studio. I am not your host, but I have been Brandon Lewis. Thank you, Mr. John A. Wright, senior, 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 the first, <laughs> for uh, coming in and having an absolute great conversation with us. It's great every time we sit down and talk to you. Uh, so thank you so much for uh, taking the time to uh, speak with us. And Mr. John A. Wright, before we close off officially, is there anything that you want to... Uh, no, it's a pleasure. Just believe. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Keep faith. Beautiful. Beautiful. Keep your faith. Absolutely. Leave. Uh, it's lonesome at the top. Mm-hmm. It's crowded at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Real crowded. Real crowded at the bottom. Ain't no room for you there. Mm-hmm. And uh, gotta go. You, 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 you can do it. <laughs> it's just a matter of finding your niche. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. We hope you found this insightful, informing, and maybe even a little entertaining. We hope that you walked away knowing something that you didn't know when you initially tuned in. And we out. Thank you for listening. Peace. Okay. Oh, great job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Studio Special Edition. The Divided City is funded by the Divided City Initiative. The Divided City is a joint project of the Center for the Humanities and the Sam Fox School, College of Architecture, and Urban Designs at Washington University in St. Louis. The Divided City is funded by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. Story Stitch is supported in part by the Lewis Prize for Music's 2021 Accelerator Award. The mission of the Lewis Prize is to partner with leaders who create positive change by investing in young people through music. Additional support for Stitchcast Studio and Story Stitch's programs is provided by the Spirit of St. Louis Women's Fund, City of St. Louis Youth at Risk Crime Prevention Grant of 2023, Trio Foundation, Deaconess Foundation, and the Arts and Education Council. St. Louis Story Stitchers and the Center is supported in part by Kranzberg Arts Foundation as a resident organization. Thank you for listening. They say who that, but you already knew that. That beat them story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches.